great to be with you. What an amazing church this is. Me and Lisa have always loved this church, and we love your pastors, Pastor Adam and Anita. They're our heroes. We love them. We, we just so honor them by the way they've raised their children, by the way they lead this church, and by the way they lead the movement. Aren't they amazing? You guys are blessed. And we've been hanging out at Connect Church this week, and I just want to say there's incredible staff in this church, and it's been great getting to know them, and they love you, and they work hard for you guys, and uh, they love the Lord, and they love you, and they're real servants, and it's been great hanging out uh, and being part of Connect Church this week. I have the most beautiful and amazing wife. She is gorgeous. Stand up and give everybody a wave. You know, some, some time ago, I was in the beautiful Lone Star Cafe. Who likes Lone Star? And I had a look at my wife and I thought, she's so beautiful, she could be a Lone Star waitress. <laughs> and, then, and then the ribs come out and I share one with my wife and I look at her and I say, she would be the prettiest girl I've ever seen eating a pork bone. She is gorgeous. I mean, she could be a air hostess. She's so pretty. She's amazing. And I have three beautiful and amazing children. I have Ruby, who's 19, and she's a youth worker, and uh, she is also a worship leader, and I love her dearly. And then there's Jonty, and he loves mountain biking, and he'll prop the mid-Canterbury scrum on, on Saturday, and then be playing bass guitar in church on Sunday. And then there's Nico, and he's just a delight. He's the youngest one. He talks a lot. Yes, he does. He's a chatterbox, but he loves wakeboarding, and uh, he's also been into boxing, and uh, he had his very, very first boxing fight just over the hill in a place called Nine-Eye. Do you guys know where that is? And apparently, if you've never had a fight and you want one, Nine-Eye is the place to go. And all the guys with crooked noses and nodding their heads saying, that's right. But it's fantastic to be with you this morning, and I have got three seats here. And you're probably wondering, why has he got three seats there? Well, let me tell you why. Me and my wife, we love to travel. We love to go to other countries and see the culture and, and have a look around and try the different food. It's just what we like. Have a coffee somewhere else. But when you travel on an airplane, you will generally find that there's three seats. And uh, some people like this seat. This is what I call the window seat. Yeah, shout out who likes the window seat out there. Man, we've got some people that like that window seat. It's kind of cool because you've got the, the view. And uh, if you're sick of people and sick of the talk and the noise, you can kind of just roll in. Get away from everything, can't you? Is that why you like the window seat so much? But that's not my favorite seat. My favorite seat is the aisle seat. I like this seat because I can kick that leg out. Be careful walking down the aisle because I will trip you up. I do like this seat because, uh, you know, you can kick that leg out. And the other reason I like this seat so much is uh, when the food trolley's coming along, you can check that out. I mean, if you've got a meat option and vegetarian, I'm taking the meat option. It's easy. I don't even have to look. But what if it's beef or lamb? Oh, I'm looking. I, I get food envy. I don't want to make the wrong choice. I'm looking to see... What, what food options available. And the other reason I like this church, uh, this 
church so much and the seat so much. Why I like the seat so much is because you can get out and walk around and stretch your legs, and, and I like that. And, and, you know, when you're on a long flight, sooner or later you're going to have to blow off, aren't you? Is that true? Is that true, Pastor Ian? And when you're in this seat, you can just kind of slip along a little bit and have a stretch and let it go and shake the leg and just kind of trot back and, and watch. <laughs> As people get grumpy a little bit further down. I love that. You're all looking at me like you'd never do that. I know what you guys do. You lay that trap in that little toilet block. Is that right? That's why I like the aisle seat. The other reason I like this seat so much is because you can just stretch out and get that man spread going, you know what I mean? And you mark your territory. What about this poor fella? No one wants the middle seat, do they? They kind of come along and they're, and they're always last, I mean, aren't they? Like, oh, I've got the middle seat. And uh, everybody's spread out either side and they're kind of like this, aren't they? <laughs> That's them in the middle seat. Did you know the middle seat is the seat of the intercessor? It's the uncomfortable seat. You know, they've got to pull it together. Everyone else is comfortable, but they're the ones that have got to pull it together. And you know what is amazing about intercessors? They're amazing, beautiful people that are prepared to be uncomfortable for somebody else. I'm not going to wake or disturb these ones. I'll just watch over through the night. If they're comfortable, I'm happy. You know what I mean? Intercessors are the most beautiful, beautiful people. I love intercessors. They can be a little bit unusual. They can be a little bit peculiar. They can kind of jibber and jabber a little bit, and they're hard to understand, but God understands them perfectly, and they're made to soar, and they're made to pray. They're beautiful people, intercessors. I love them. When you're a senior leader of a church, you learn to love your intercessors. Man, because you can feel prayer. Prayer changes situations and prayer changes us. But nobody wants to sit on the seat. No one in the church wants to pray and intercede. Everybody's after title and position and promotion. And everybody wants to sit on this seat. They want to be the apostle or the prophet, the one with a view. Is, is everyone an apostle and a prophet in the church these days? Man, they, they, they love that title. Or, 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 or they're the pastor or the evangelist, the people with access to the people, like the pastor, like, uh, are you all right there, sir? Do you want a pillar? Can I help you? Okay. Does that sound like a pastor? Ah, oh, they're nice people. Or the evangelists. Let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus loves you. They just work their way down the, down the plane. But isn't it true? Everybody's after promotion and position in the church these days. And they either want to be an apostle or a prophet or a pastor or evangelist. Who wants to pray? Jesus says, my house shall be a house of prayer. He wants his church to be praying. A praying church is a powerful church. Can I hear an amen? 
God is looking for intercessors, those people that will be uncomfortable, those people that will say, God, do me a favor and do them a favor. God, do me a favor and bring breakthrough over here. They'll sit between. You know, Jesus is our great intercessor. Think about Jesus. He gets the middle seat. You can say it in any way you like. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Doesn't matter how you say it. Jesus is in the middle. He got the middle cross, didn't he? Jesus is the one that sits between. He is the one that takes the middle seat. Think about the gospel. We've got a holy God who has never sinned, and he cannot have sin in his presence. And then you've got you and I, because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve, death. But Jesus came along and said, I'll die in your place. The punishment that's to be on you, I'll take it upon myself. I will sit on this seat and I will intercede for you. I'll sit between a holy God and sinful people and make a way for you. All we need to do is believe and receive. Turn from our sin and give our lives over to Jesus. And what does Jesus tell us to do with our lives? He says, if you want to come after me, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, you've got to give up your life. You can't be selfish anymore. You give your life over to me. You know, to give your life to Christ is to be prepared to sit in the middle, to intercede, to be a follower of Christ. What's Jesus doing right now? He's interceding right now as I speak. He's between our heavenly father and the accuser of the brethren. He's accusing us day and night. And Jesus like, look at the holes in my hands, the holes in my feet, the stripes on my back. I poured out my blood so these ones can be forgiven. That's what he's doing right now. He's sitting in between. What would it look like if this seat got the spotlight? If the pastor and the evangelist and the prophet and the apostle could just come in and sit in the middle. I've seen this. I feel this. The church comes together and prays. You know, I believe God is wanting to put a spotlight on the intercessor. I believe the day is coming where I don't care about your apostle. I don't care about your prophet, your pastor, evangelist. Tell me. Where are the intercessors at? Let me go and pray with them for a while. Let's get with those Rottweilers, those ones that know how to get their teeth into God. I want to be with those, those ones that know how to pray through the night, those ones that are tough in the spirit and they know how to warfare and bind and break and loose. Oh, where are the intercessors at? Does anyone want to sit in this seat? Man, it's a powerful seat. I love intercessors. I love them. I got a picture of a a lady called uh, Annette Van Asperen coming up now, and she is just the most beautiful, delicious lady, isn't she, Lisa? Oh, she just about makes, you just about want to cry when you think about Annette. She's just, just so beautiful. She lost her husband last year, but she's just courageous and bold, and she is our lead intercessor. 
And she is just amazing. And, you know, she's the woman that you catch up with and uh, she tells you what's going on with your life. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, I've been praying for you and God's been showing me this and I've been binding this. Oh, I love those intercessors. God can trust them with things. They won't go to gossip or, 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 or go to, you know, to the, the ladies group and talk too much. They'll take it to prayer. They'll, they'll take what God shows them to prayer, and God shows them things. And you know what? An intercessor, like Moses, our intercessor, is a friend of God. Oh, I love these intercessors. They're the most beautiful people. And uh, I remember i just become senior leader, and there was a couple came into the church that had caused a lot of trouble. And I'm like, what are they doing here? And I thought, I better have an appointment with them. And I got a couple of elders with me, and I thought I better have a net praying because I want to be covered in prayer in this meeting. And I'm thinking, maybe they're coming to repent. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Or maybe they're coming in for a fight. And I seen them get out of that car, <laughs> nostrils flaring, eyeballs blazing. I thought, I don't see repentance. <laughs> they were coming in for a fight, and... Uh, and what me and the elders were doing, we were actually interceding. We were standing in the gap for the previous senior pastor who was a, a beautiful, beautiful man with a pastoral heart and so gracious. And I love Pastor Rob. But we had to stand in the gap for him and just stand in between and just take the sting as these, the, this couple were firing things at us. And, uh, you know, it was one of those really awkward ones where your mouth goes dry. What do I say? And, and oh, like they were in for the fight. But all of a sudden, one of them just leaves the room screaming, ah, got a migraine, and they left, and that was that. And we look at each other and go, what was all that about? And we've never, ever seen them again. But anyway, I had Annette praying for us in that meeting. I thought, I better give her a ring, and I don't really know what to tell her. <laughs> I don't really know how to explain what was happening. And I ring up Annette and I say, uh, hey, we had the meeting. And she said, how'd it go? How'd it go? And I'm like, I don't really know how to explain it. And she says, well, I was praying for you. And I was praying that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up against you shall be condemned. I was praying no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And she got excited because that's what intercessors do. And repeating it and repeating it and repeating. And then I'm like, oh, now I understand what was going on. <laughs> Don't you love an intercessor? They're beautiful hearts to pray to stand in the gap. And, you know, beautiful Annette, she prays in the night season. She prays in the day season. And she just knows that God is using her to shift things. She believes in the power of prayer. And, man, if you want the piano moved, you'll get Shane to move the piano. But if you want something moved in the spiritual realm, you call that intercessor. Is that right? My goodness, I love intercessors. They're the, just the most beautiful, beautiful people. I love them. I love them. Aaron, can I get you up to sit in the middle seat? I mean, this guy is cool. He's good looking. I mean, 
like, wow, isn't that amazing? Now you've got two really good-looking, amazing people on the stage at once. I mean, hey, just my humble self. But Aaron, I think you're incredible, and I think you can sit on that seat. You can sit on this seat. You're good at flowing in the Holy Ghost. You're amazing with people. Man, you're gifted. you got it all going on. My goodness. But you know what? I just sense God wants to pull you into the middle seat. And I know that you're not where you used to be, and I know for sure you're not where God's calling you to be. But sometimes uh, you get what's called a hidden season. And it's kind of like, God, you know, I might be running the meeting, but I still feel hidden. And God, what do you have for me? But that's the time where you press into God. And uh, you look at Jesus and... Uh, Man, his first 30 years of his life is like a hidden season. Like you, you, you hear a lot about his birth and his dedication. And then at 12, he's kind of teaching in a temple and then nothing else. In that hidden season, God was preparing him for something great. So don't ever be frightened, church, if you're in a hidden season. You know, God will take you out of the spotlight for a time and hide you. But, uh, you know, I think a, a great man of God is like an iceberg. You know, you've got 20% above the surface and you got that 20% covered. But, the, you know, the big chunk of the iceberg is under the surface. And a great man of God knows how to push into God underneath the surface and I just encourage you to push into God hear his voice you know let him uh, build up the power within you the word of God within you the strength within you the identity of who you are in Christ you get it from him and nobody else Jesus was always preaching to an audience of one because he had his identity squared away and I just believe as you pull into God the season's coming where you're just going to come out and you're going to minister in these seats. You're going to come back into this seat. You can just run across all three and in and, and out. I mean, man, I want to watch the space. I want to see where God takes you. I'm excited. But I just believe as you pull into God, he's going to strengthen you and encourage you and lift you up. Lord, we thank you for Aaron. Lord, we thank you for the gifting, the calling, the grace that's upon his life. But Lord, I ask that you strengthen him. Lord, you cause him to be a spiritual strong man, one who knows how to pray, and one who knows how to push in, and one who knows how to see things in the prophetic and feel things as a pastor, but to Pull it all in and pray as an intercessor. And Lord, encourage him with breakthroughs in the days ahead, Lord God. Lord, strengthen him up. Cause him to be a pillar in the house, one that can carry weight, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's a man over here in a, in a white shirt and blue kind of stripes. Can I pray for you? I've never met you. I don't know you, but... God's just highlighting me, uh, you to me. Could you come up, please? Is that possible? So what's your name, sir? Kevin. Kevin. That's a good name, Kevin. Can you sit in the middle seat? Kevin, I believe you're one who knows how to put others first and to lay down your own desires to serve others and to be a servant for the Lord. And uh, I really believe God wants to honor that on your life. And uh, I believe you're a man of great integrity 
and you've got great patience. And I believe uh, God is using you in a supernatural way. And, uh, and I just looked at you and you just highlighted and God uh, is pleased with you. You're a man after his heart and you're humble and you've got integrity. And uh, I just believe God loves you and there's favor on your life. And I just want to say God is a rewarder. And I want to say that God is going to lift you up and elevate you in the days ahead. And I believe he's going to cause you to even be an intercessor and one that knows how to shift in prayer and go higher in God and soar. And and God can trust you and show you things because you're humble and uh, you've got integrity. And God is looking for people like you, a friend of God. Lord, we thank you for Kevin. Lord, we just want to release a fresh anointing upon him. Lord, release your joy. Release your peace. Lord, release your identity that he would know he's a child of the Most High God and that he is loved and that he is a friend of God and that he has favor with God. And God, we thank you that you're going to reward him and pour out blessing upon him. In Jesus' name, amen. Give Kevin a hand. Thank you, Kevin. There's amazing, amazing people in this church. This is an amazing church. Um, Let's go to God's Word. If you have your Bible with you, go to Acts 12, verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Now, James, the brother of John, has just been killed. And Peter is in prison, and he is next. Herod has just killed James, and the Jewish people, get that, are crying out for more blood. Peter is a dead man walking, but it's Passover, so they have to hold him in chains for another day. But Peter's situation is absolutely hopeless. He's a dead man walking. His head is about to be on the block. He is next. Except that the church is earnestly praying for him. Are you excited about what happens next? The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Herod's not taking any chances. Do you see that? I mean, he's between two guards. He's in chains. And the sentries talks about guards on rotation, going round and around Peter's life. They're not taking any chances. He is under lock and key. Except that the church is earnestly praying for him. So I want you to imagine that Peter is here and he's under lock and key. There's no hope for him except that the church have all pulled in to the middle seat to intercede. And they're praying. And imagine the, the woman turning to God 
And women's prayers are amazing, but heartfelt, aren't they? And women will cry and travail and pour out their heart. And, oh, our beloved Peter, our beloved Peter, God, you need to help him. Our beloved Peter, like can you imagine them travailing and crying out to God and weeping for Peter? But then I imagined the men, and these are Pentecostal Christian men who know how to pray in authority, and uh, they're like, God, you're our deliverer. You can set the captives free. And you prophesied that this is Peter, and on this rock you will build your church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You prophesied it. Now we decree it, and we say, let it be. Let him be the rock whom you're going to build your church upon. Open up those prison doors and set him free. Peter's situation is hopeless, except that the church is praying. Oh, I love this. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared. That's not a coincidence now, is it? That's because the church was praying. Is that right? Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, that ministering angel. And a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrist. The church is interceding. And over here, an angel suddenly appears and chains fall off. That's no coincidence. That's because the church is praying. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison. I mean, there's guards, there's chains, there's centuries of guards. And just walking out to prison. How can that ha- happen? But he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. And I believe there's people in this house and God has given you a vision. And he has shown you things. And it could be the prodigal children. It could be God turning a situation. And then one day, your vision is going to be your reality. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. The city gate is the big gate. And it takes an army to move that gate. And it opened all by itself. What caused the gate to open? Prayer. Imagine if the church all came into the middle seat and prayed. Could God give you the city gate? Could God open the gate to the city for Connect Church and give you favor in the community? Where schools and police and hospitals and parliament and councils come to you saying, we need the church. That's what the city gate open looks like to me. And they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left them. Peter just kept on walking. And then he goes, knock, 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 knock. And he's knocking on the door where the church is interceding. And they spin out. 
Imagine having an answer to prayer, like you're in a prayer meeting and you're praying for some prodigals that are gone. The next thing, hey, we're here. <laughs> What's going on? Can you imagine that? Would that be exciting? Who's excited about praying? Who's excited about saying, I'll sit in the middle seat. I want to see God move. You know, I want to see gates open. I want to see chains fall off. You know, when I was a young fella and a non-Christian, I used to go to my neighbours and we would drink home brew together. I was was a non-Christian. But he had a praying wife that would pray for him and pray for me. But I was an alcoholic. I was addicted to alcohol. I was able to walk out of that prison when I found Christ. I'm so thankful for a neighbor who would pray for me. You know, that's what can happen. You pray for somebody and they can come out of addiction. They can can come out of a hopeless situation because prayer is so, so powerful. So the church was praying and an angel appeared. Church was praying and chains fell off. The church was praying and he who was captive walked out of prison. The church was praying and the city gate was opened. Can I ask everybody to stand now? I'm going to ask people to respond to intercession prayer. I don't care what your gifting is. But will you respond and say, I'll sit on the middle seat? I'm going to ask people to come out in a moment because I believe God is wanting to release a prayer mantle on his church. But before you come out, you've got to count the cost. If you're going to be an intercessor, that means when Pastor Adam or Anita call for a prayer meeting, you come to the prayer meeting. If you're going to be an intercessor, you need to know that you don't get to sleep the whole night. God will wake you and stir you and use you in the night hours. You need to know that if you're going to be an intercessor, there'll be times where you are burdened so much for somebody else that you have to pass on your meal. And if you're going to be an intercessor, you need to know that there'll be times where God puts a demand on you to give finances, to give food, to give away your car to give. But our God's a rewarder. He will give it back. You can trust Him. If He can get it through you, He will get it to you. But you need to know if you're going to be an intercessor, there will be a cost. But do you know what? I believe that there's people who counted a privilege to follow Jesus Christ and be an intercessor. You know, our life started with salvation. Jesus dying for us. You know, it's going to end with Jesus wiping away every tear and a wedding feast. But right now, we're in the middle. We've got this Kairos moment to say, God, I'm prepared to be uncomfortable for a season so that you can get glory out of my life, so that somebody else can get a breakthrough. Now, if you want to respond to being an intercessor, come on out right now. You're not coming to me. You're coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. You're saying, I'm prepared to be like you and be an intercessor. I want to be a prayer warrior. I want to stand in the gap for others. God, if you can use anybody, you can use me. You're not coming to me. You're coming to the Lord Jesus Christ and His ministry of intercession prayer. Praying in the night season, praying in the day season 
for others. Is there any more? Lord, I thank you that you are releasing a prayer mantle on the Cavity Coast at Connect Church. Lord, you're calling people to endure and to sit in the middle, to intercede for you. And Lord, you're going to use these ones in a great and mighty, powerful way. Lord, that as they pray, things are going to shift in heavenly realms. The heavens are going to open. God's favor is going to be poured out. People are going to come into the kingdom of God. Chains are going to fall off. City gates are going to be opened. Freedom's going to be released in Jesus' name. I thank you for these ones that are willing to follow you and to intercede in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Judge. Hey church, can we put our hands together for Pastor Carl and the word that he brought? You know, I wholeheartedly agree with the church to, to need intercessory uh, prayer. So I think that was a word in season, so thank you. Hey, well, um, look, perhaps you've walked in this morning and, and you don't know who this Jesus that Pastor Carl talks about is, and you're going, well, who is Jesus? Well, I want to give you the opportunity to get to know him and to say yes to Jesus. And so I'm going to walk you through what's called uh, salvation prayer. What that is, is there was something, if you don't know what it is, there was something that happened at the cross and Jesus died. And because He died at the cross, that entitles you to salvation. What you're saying is Jesus be the Lord and be the Savior of my life. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask if you want me to pray for you. We're going to pray as a family. If you want that, I'm going to ask that you put your hand nice and high, just so I know who I'm praying for. We do this every Sunday to make sure that we're giving people the opportunity. So if that's you, on the count of three, can I get you to put up your hand nice and high? One, Jesus loves you. Two, this will be the best decision you'll ever make. And three, if you want to say yes to Jesus, put your hand nice and high so I know who I'm praying for. Awesome. See the hand on the left. Thank you. church for the person who put their hand up this morning. Can you guys repeat after me? Thank you, Jesus, for your blood and for your broken body. God, this morning, I say yes to you. Be the Lord of my life. Be my Savior. Lead me and direct me this path of life. Help me to turn away from sin and guide me. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Church, can we make some noise for the person that put their hand up this morning? What an incredible decision.